0: The podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter. Sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. It's really, uh, it's really good to be with you this weekend. We had a great time together uh, yesterday afternoon. And um, yeah, it's good to be sharing with you sharing with you today. I, maybe it's helpful to you. Like, and Clive's just prompted this in me. I wasn't going to say this, but um, thinking about... My building context, the, the big change for me, when you think about your, your everyday context, whether that's where you live, the street, the apartment block, the sheltered accommodation, whatever it is, where you work, where you play, uh, the club you belong to, whatever that might be, when you think about those contexts, I think the huge shift for me, and I didn't see it when I was building. I didn't understand it then. I think, I didn't see why my bricklaying mattered to God. And I think one of the things that I came to realize was how significant it is that God has you where you are, whether that's at home, whether it's in the club you're a part of, uh, whether it's in your work context, that believe it or not, that when we think today about fruitfulness, that he wants through you, through you in those places to restore and rescue and redeem this world, this city, this place that you live in. And my prayer coming to share with you today would be, God, if you would, if you would just be gracious enough that you might open one or two or many more eyes or minds to that, because I think most, many of us, despite how we might try and encourage that within a church, think we think does my work really matter? Does me living in that street, does maybe I'm the only Christian in my family or the only person in the workplace who is a Christian and we think, can I really make a difference for God in this particular place? But I believe there's a guy called Gabe Lyons who said it. He said, I believe the next big wave of influence that's going to come from the church is going to come from, he said it this way, it's going to come from the pew. In other words, and you are, you know, What you do here at this location and and so on is is wonderful. But I genuinely believe that if we're going to make a difference as a church today, it won't be only through the activity that goes on here. I think it will be predominantly through us coming alive to where God has us in our everyday. Now, I've enjoyed them over the last few weeks. Nowadays, you can kind of check out a church before you turn up. So I've been binge watching uh, your services. Over the last, like watching Netflix, it's been, uh, it's been great, and uh, as you've been going through this short little series of yours in John's Gospel that you started about 10 years ago, whatever it was, I don't know, uh, but it's been great kind of dipping in and seeing what's been going on as you've been thinking about John's Gospel under this title of Come and See, where Jesus offers that invitation to his first two followers, to Andrew and John, and he says, you know, Come see. Like, If you want to find out what it means to follow me, just just come alongside and, and see. You know that, and, and that thing of being a disciple. And a lot of us find it hard to even think of ourselves in that way. But following the way of Jesus is, you know, I, I love that I, again, apprenticeship. You know, you probably there was a few years there was a popular teaching going around a few years ago that was about you know, following in the dust of our rabbi. That disciples would follow Jesus so closely that they'd get covered in the dust that he would kick up from his feet. And that's what we're called to do. Like when I was an apprentice bricklayer, I used to apprentice for a guy called Johnny Barrow. Johnny Barrow, I, so, I wanted so much to be like Johnny. I, I, used, to, I used to labor for him so, and, uh, and I'd see him turn up in the truck and carry his tools on site and he was a master craftsman. So I used to try and just get to hang around with Johnny as much as possible because I wanted to learn to be like him and I wanted to learn to do the things that he did. And that's, And that's what being a... A disciple of Jesus, I think a lot of us think of it as like A-level Christianity, but the reality is being a disciple of Jesus is saying, "I want to try and learn his way of life and how he does things and who he is." And that's what Jesus says to those first disciples, "Come and see, come and see." But as I've, uh, as I've watched over the last few weeks, um, it's been a lot of props. You do like a prop, don't you? in, in terms of when, it's, been like, it's been like watching Blue Peter. It's like, you know. <laughs> This week's folks, you'll, uh, you'll need sticky back plastic and an old fairy liquid bottle or whatever it might be as you go through, uh, go through the messages. I was looking at, I didn't realize that the cross on wheels came out most weeks, but I looked at what, a message that Paul did and he spoke about, kind of really took us through the seven statements. And then Alex was preaching on John 13. Does anybody remember what Alex brought? Is Alex here today? Is, it, is, it? is he here? No? Sorry, I was hearing like, you should never ask questions from the front. Because all you hear is, uh, uh, oh, uh, uh. yeah, he brought, he brought his dog towel. That was such a joyous week for you, I imagine. The smell of that dog towel probably still, as you think of it now, wafting under your noses. But the winner has to be Johnny Baker. I mean, Johnny, gold medal, uh, went above and beyond. He had crutches, brick wallpaper covered bins, cross on wheels. He went, you can't tell he's involved in education, can you? But it's... Uh, it was quite the week. It was quite the week. Well, this week, uh, this week, we come, in some ways, to one of the greatest props, the greatest visual illustrations we have in the Bible of what it means to try and follow the way of Jesus. We come to think about what, what, what Tim Mackey, uh, who is part of the Bible Project, refers to as not just the, the vine but he talks about the tree of life, the tree of life. I am the vine, says Jesus, I am those I am statements. And in those, when Jesus picks out very ordinary, everyday objects, and, and in them, what he's trying to say to us, he's trying to draw us more and more deeply into who he is. The bread of life, the light of the world, the gate for the sheep, and he talks about being the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And today, I am the true vine. I think in our lives, it's funny, I was listening to a podcast on the way down yesterday as I was driving down yesterday morning, um, and, uh, and this guy was talking about the challenge we face today to, with all the possible distractions that we face. We, we all want to be productive in our lives. We want our lives to count. We want our lives to matter. We don't want to waste our life. And the key to that is thinking about fruitfulness and thinking about, I guess ultimately, and just trying to tune your mind into it, thinking, well, when Jesus talks about being branches and kind of connected to him, it's thinking about, well, what is it that my life is really connected to? What does the fruit of my life in terms of my character, the things that I do, the way I do them, what is my life really connected to? So let's look, at the, uh, let's look at the text together, and then um, I'll, uh, I'll share today's message with you. So we're in John 15. Uh, I'm just going to read the, the first section on it. This is the largest, um, what they call the largest kind of red-letter section of the Gospels, where what they mean by that is this is where Jesus speaks the most, as it were. But this is what he says. I'm going to read it from my book, then I'll forget. I'm going to read it from the screen. And that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You know, God's words living, and there's a sense in which um, when we come together, I always believe in what they call the, the event of preaching. This moment, whilst you meet together as a church every Sunday at 10 a.m., generally speaking, this moment will never get repeated. We've come together today, you've come into this place today, not, not as, please not as just kind of, will we enjoy him or will we not, but as as, as practitioners, people who want to be here because you want to learn a particular way. In Ballon where I live you often see people going off to the gym class in their gym kit with a roll mat under their arm uh, and a water bottle in hand. They're they're ready. They're going into a room to practice something. And I think the trouble with churches is it's become like a, it's almost become like a university lecture if we're not careful. We just come and we kind of, you know, is it interesting or is it not? Where we need to come with a sense of I'm ready to go. So hopefully, you ready to go? Oh, at least three of you look like you're ready to go. So let's see. Let's try and tune into it. I wonder for you this morning, as you heard that read, and if you're anything like me, I know what I'm like. I have to keep telling myself to tune in. If I said to you, I wonder which part of that passage, for whatever reason, grabbed you this morning, I wonder what it would be. Whether you went, well, hang on. I minute, mean, I didn't even listen. That's, that's the point, isn't it? So it's like i got a really Put myself there to kind of try and think, God, what is it you want to try and say to me today? Now, I didn't want to be left out. I didn't want to be beaten by Johnny. So I did bring a prop uh, and we'll come back to it. Uh, I brought a branch. Uh, uh, well, it's a bit of driftwood. I'm assuming it's a branch. It's a bit of driftwood that I had at home, but but this is a branch. And uh that's what Jesus talks about. Is he, he speaks a lot about this, this branch and that we are, our Father is the gardener, that Jesus is the, the vine and that we are these branches that are to remain connected to him. I'll come back to it a little bit later on, but I'll, just, I'll set it down here and you can, uh, you can just see it there. Uh, but we'll think about that. Now, I, I love trees. Thinking about trees... I love them. I love climbing trees as a kid. Any fans of climbing trees as kids? Yeah, some, some we loved to do that. Um, I loved, as a kid, there was a particular street where, uh, where we lived, where there was, a, there was loads of um, trees where you, I was going to say there was loads of trees cause I couldn't remember the name of the tree. Is it a chestnut tree to get conkers from? Correct. So it, we used to go down the street and kind of try and knock the conkers off so that you could play conkers in the playground at school. Do you remember that? Wait, wait, okay, hang on, hang on. So for anyone under the age of about 50, Conkers was this, it was before health and safety went mad. You could, you could get these Conker things uh, and then you could bake them in the oven. No, that was illegal. But you could bake them in the oven and then you played people at Conkers in school. Do you remember that? Uh, it was, it was a, it's now illegal alongside games. like We used to play Marbles. Do you remember Marbles? Uh, and, uh, and the other game was um, What's the Time, Mr. Wolf? And one other game that definitely should have had a health warning was um, was Kiss Chase. <laughs> that definitely should have had a health warning, right? That was a dangerous game. Apparently, in terms of thinking about trees, in 2016, in Exeter, Exeter University, uh, created a project to record the impact in the city of huge cedar trees or blossoming hilltop hawthorns on the city. And they invited people across the city to bring together stories that related to their favorite trees in the city. Did anybody happen to take part in that? You're looking like, I do not remember this. Anyway, apparently it was a thing. Uh, And apparently just south of Exeter is one of the oldest European yew trees in Britain. I I presume it still exists, predating Christianity itself. It's in a churchyard in the parish church of St. Andrews in Ken. Apparently there's a significant tree there. You're a city that has, uh, and so we haven't got time to do it. But I wonder what your favorite story would be around trees. Trees, when it comes to the Bible, trees are constantly used as biblical images. You find trees in the book of Genesis. You find trees in the book of Revelation. Some would even say that the story of God, the story of his story, exists between two trees. In Psalm 1. You have the story of the tree, the tree that it speaks about, uh, 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 the psalmist speaks about a tree being planted by a river or by water. uh, uh, Giving that image of what a life is like when, when it's connected to God. It draws up nourishment from the river. Trees are mentioned in the Bible, other than people and other than God himself. Trees are the most often mentioned living thing in the Bible. Now, John, when he begins his gospel, John chapter 1, this would be about, I don't know, five years ago for you. But anyway, John chapter 1, he said this In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. When John begins his gospel, what he wants, what he wants his readers to get straight away, because of the language, to, as, as a first kind of century listener, you'd have gone, oh, that's interesting, in the beginning. What does it immediately remind us of? It immediately takes us back to the, the creation story, the, the first book of the Bible, the Genesis, the book of beginnings. So John's saying, as he writes his gospel about Jesus, he's saying, this is a beginning. This is a starting moment. This is kind of a a restart moment in some ways. What I'm going to tell you about this person of Jesus is a a Genesis moment. And that's how John begins uh, his particular gospel. And John is saying that that this connects back to the creation story. And, And what John says about Jesus being the vine is he's... He's beginning to paint this picture of this Jesus. He is the tree of life. Our story. Now I have no idea what the the tree of life looked like. This is kind of my attempt at finding an image on Google. That might, I don't know, stimulate our thinking. So don't be distracted by it. But it's just there to stimulate. The Christian story begins in a garden. Where God and humans live together. The biblical authors actually want us to see the picture that's described for us in the book of Genesis. They want us to see this garden as a type of temple, a place where God and humans meet together. And the top of the garden picture is the most sacred place, the holy of holies, where God's presence is most intense. And it's there that we find the tree of life. The tree of life represents God's own life and his creative power that is made available to others. God's first command to the human beings, to the first humans, is to eat from all the trees in the garden, including this one. There's one exception that we'll come on to in a moment. He says, eat from all the trees, including this one. So there's a sense in which, as God instructs those first humans, he's saying, as you eat from this tree, you're feasting on God's himself, God's own life. And the meal is meant to transform those who eat it. And in the story, it says that it speaks about how those that eat from it, those first humans, that they, that it leads for them to eternal life. Now, eternal life, just to kind of get that puzzle piece in your thinking, eternal life, I used to think that eternal life was life, life everlasting, which there is a sense in which it is that. But I just used to think, oh, that just meant that I would live forever. It was a time thing. But eternal life is more about the, the quality of life, an abundant life, a sense in which you and I understand the purpose of our life. When that aligns, when our eyes are open to God's purpose for our lives, life really begins to kind of come alive for us. But in the same garden as the tree of life, and and interestingly note this if you haven't noted it before, this is pre the fall, pre Adam and Eve making their own choices. There's another tree that humans are told not to eat from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says that eating from this tree will lead to death. This tree represents taking the authority to do what is good in our own eyes. Think about that. That the creator of the universe, when he sets up our world, and we struggle with this sometimes in terms of wondering the kind of world that God has made, that he places within the same garden, the tree of life, And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you are going to truly know God and God's purpose in your life, you need both. A church community needs to be a place where people have the the possibility or need to recognize the possibility that people will have doubts. People will go through seasons when they, and maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, I've come out of this last week and I'm, we're going through what we're going through at the moment. And I'm thinking, I'm not even sure I believe God exists anymore. I often feel that way on a Monday morning, if I'm honest. It's like, there's, there's sometimes times when you just think, God, are you really there? I'm going through this and I feel like you're not, you're not, you're not listening to me at the moment. And also sometimes our lives, if we're honest, we get drawn by temptation. A friend of mine said recently, I was listening to his testimony, he was talking about Christianity. He said, the trouble with a lot of church life today is we we want to create an environment where only the tree of life exists. And we ignore the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the serpent. They exist in in a way they exist to, to help us in some ways develop our faith. I'll say a little bit more about that later on perhaps. But here's the key. When you think about the tree of life... And you think, and I just thought I'd black and white it out, but just you think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a sense in which both trees look beautiful to us. But one of them is a false tree of life. Adam and Eve take from this false tree. And they are, the Bible uses this word, they are, they are exiled from the garden. They become Disconnected. One of the big puzzle pieces of the Christian story is that when when Adam and Eve and therefore in their story and their story is our story, when we we choose to be the gods of our own destiny, as it were, when we make that choice for ourselves, when they do that, they become disconnected. They become disconnected from God. They hide from him. They become disconnected from one another. They start blaming each other and they become disconnected from, from the very world in which they live. Disconnection happens. Exile happens. Exile or disconnection is where we end up when we choose to live our own way. When we choose to ignore God's purposes for our lives. When we think that we we could find a better way to live, a more fruitful way to live than the one that God offers to us. So God creates for Adam and Eve this incredible world with all this raw material. And he gives them uh, the ability to be able to go out and and, and multiply what he has given to them. To create a world where others flourish. He wants them to be people that don't live for their own sakes, but for the sakes of others. Now I'm no gardener, definitely no gardener. I, I give it a go. Uh, and a pruning knife in my hand is a dangerous weapon. But I do know a little about pruning roses, or at least why you prune roses. A rose bush, left to itself, will get tangled and grow in on itself. It will produce quite a lot of not-so-good roses, rather than smaller numbers of beautiful roses. Left to its own devices, it will quite literally get in its own light. So you prune it to stop it wasting its energy, to stop it being unproductive or unfruitful. You prune it so that it grows towards the light. I I felt like one of the significant things for us to think about today is how we constantly face that choice between kind of which tree we will connect ourselves to and often I think we we can be our own worst enemies we get into our own life we get in our own way a lot of the time we become if you like we become part of whichever tree we choose and we bear the fruit of the life of that particular tree so I don't know I don't know any of you that well here today at all but I wonder for you I wonder which tree or which vine, as it were, you particularly connect yourself to. No matter what we might say in terms of, oh, well, I, you know, the answer, like the children's one, it was genius, wasn't it? What did you like about your group? Learning about Jesus. Like, who slipped them a fiver? It was like it was perfect, wasn't it? It's like, they got the answer right. It was beautiful, actually. It was beautiful. We might say that to one another. We might look around the room today and look around and think, gosh, everybody else seems to have it all together. But for some of us, it may be. That we choose actually to eat from the tree of money. If we eat from the tree of money, you'll bear the fruit of that particular tree. It looks beautiful. It looks beautiful to us. But a lot of us get our security and our self-worth and our significance from the tree of money. Despite, you know, because I think there's a question constantly within Christianity about whether Christianity is just about becoming more and more middle class going up the kind of social ladder, as it were. If I really plug myself into the tree of money, I'm like, well, I got my house sorted. got two cars. We have a couple of holidays each year. And it's all that kind of stuff. We've got a nice kitchen, beautiful conservatory. We're going after the next thing. We're going after the next thing. The culture of that, the tree of money, the tree of kind of having staff, it gets hold of us more than we think. I grew up in Frinton-on-Sea. I mean, Frinton's, I don't know if it's that much different to a place like here. They say Harwich is just along the coast. They say Harwich for the continent, Frinton for the incontinent. It's a bit bit rude, but it's... um, I grew up in a church community where genuinely the conversation around coffee time on Sundays was very rarely about our faith. It was more often about where somebody had just been on holiday, whether they just bought a new car, what was going on at the golf club and all of that. Nothing wrong with that stuff. But sometimes if that's what we're really plugged into and connected to, you'll, you'll bear the fruit of that. Some of us bear the fruit of choosing to connect ourselves to the tree of sex or lust. It's one that we might be embarrassed to talk about, but it can be true for us. And if we connect ourselves, they say that lust, and we don't just lust, us, it's not just connected to sex, but lust. And I really found this phrase helpful. Lust always promises something that it can't deliver lust always promises something that it can't deliver so in the world about you think oh man if, like if i don't know how you respond like when you respond to your story, you think if i had those trainers or if i had that bag or if i got this season's shoes or if i had that car or if we did that or if i was with her or if i was with him then my life would be amazing lust always promises what it can't deliver and for some of us who may be in the room, like we, we connect ourselves into that. And we struggle with that. And, and that fruit will come out in our lives. So for a lot of us, um, it, may be, it may be that tree is the tree of pornography. And we connect into that. And, and you'll bear the fruit of that. It will destroy your relationship. It will make you see your partner in a, in a different kind of way. It's destroying the lives of our young people today. They're saying that pornography, more than anything else is shaping our young people's view of how relationships work. And so what a young guy will expect from a girl today. Like, I was walking around Exeter when I arrived yesterday, and you think, this girl's walking around, I think, man, they, how much flesh do we try and kind of display today? Why? Why? Because I think it's because this connection to the Genesis story, it's like a young, a young lady's trying to say to this guy, like you know, like trying to sort of say, here I am, and, and, and she's looking for meaning from a guy. Because it says that, didn't it? It said that Eve will find her meaning in, in, in a relationship. I often say this girl, I think, girl, because I see so much hurt in this area in our church. I think, girls, you are worth dying for. You if your man, if the man in your life will not do, will not lay down his life for you, tell him to jog on. girls, you, you're worth dying for. No matter whatever a man has said or done to you, the Bible would say that you're worth dying for. We might, we might kind of connect ourselves to the tree of power and position and popularity, and we connect into that. And we live in such a world where those of us who connect connecting on social media, it's like, oh man, I've got a thousand likes, or I'm followed by this many people, or whatever. And yet we live in a generation where some of our young people are... A, They don't know how to connect anymore, and they can be amongst the most lonely in society. It's tough. It's really tough. We will bear the fruit of whatever tree that we connect to, and there may be others for us. So as we move on in the story, just trying to uh, go through this fairly quickly, but... Look at Moses in the burning bush at this particular moment. Moses comes up on a mountain to find another tree that is burning with the life and power of God. And at this moment, God says to Moses, I want you to bring the people to me here on this mountain. And we're going to form a partnership together. And through this partnership, you, as I bless you, you're going to become a blessing to those around us. Israel, the people of God, the children of God were meant to be the vine. God wanted through them to be a blessing to the world around. And yet what happens in the story as they go on is that the story of Israel is a constant story of their choice between do we genuinely connect with and, and remain in this relationship with God or do we set up idols and worship them? They constantly are, are putting up idols. And uh, uh, Tim Mackey makes the point in, in one of his teachings about how a lot of those idols were, were put up and, and they kind of almost looked like beautiful trees, the way they were raised up. And, and that's their story. People being devoted to other gods and other things. Death's grip on us seems to be so strong. It's like, what is it about us? We know the tree of life they've us this abundant life and yet we constantly choose. And I think for us as Christians, this is a, a daily struggle as we go out into the world, a daily challenge as to which we will choose. It's like we can't help ourselves. I don't know if you ever watched that film, The Bug's Life, and there's a moment in the film where this little fly is flying towards one of those, those um, luminous kind of zappers in the kitchen. And his friend's saying to him, don't do it. And he says, I can't help it. It's so beautiful. It's like we're, 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 we're strange as humans. It's like whether it is money, sex, or power, we're like, I can't help it. It's so beautiful. We just go towards it. I couldn't find a better picture than this. It's an icon image, but it's of Jesus as the tree of life. We come to Jesus. He came and said that, that once again, eternal life, abundant life was available through him. And so Jesus thinks of himself right, as the tree of life. And this is, just, this is what Jesus means when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And Jesus invites The first disciples then invites us to eat from him. In that, he was inviting people to to trust him and be transformed by his life. Jesus opened people's eyes to how much they loved false trees of life. And so Jesus presents people with a new choice. And he describes it as it's constantly a choice between life and death, life and death. And when we choose the tree of money, or the tree of popularity, or the tree of sex. We constantly, a small death will happen somewhere in our lives. And Jesus sets that up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. But what do we do? What did they do with this Jesus? Jesus then led up to the top of a hill. And he's crucified On a tree. The cross is the the result of humanity's desire to do good in their own eyes. To think that they knew a better way. The tree of life at this moment appears to be overcome by death. Tim Keller said it this way. He said, "Um, Jesus took the tree of death so that you could have the tree of life. And now this new tree uh, exists, this new tree that is the life of the person of Jesus. But to eat from it, we have to, like Jesus, we have to pass through death ourselves. We have to put to death our old life that we might be born into this new life that Jesus has for us. John talks about it earlier in his letter when he says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I feel like this is one of the most important lessons that I'm trying to learn at the moment, is that, I don't know, I've been a Christian for over 30 years, and yet I still find that I keep making the wrong choices on a regular basis. I feel like it's about dying to myself that I might become more fruitful for God in my everyday life. And Jesus says to these disciples, he says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for our friends. Love is the, is the very root, as it were, of all the fruit that we bear. So I'd, we've not majored on it today, but at LICC we, we talk about how that fruit comes out in our lives. That when I think about these different areas of fruitfulness, the ways in which we can express the love and life of Jesus through our very lives, it's in these, and there probably are more, but in these, at least these six areas. That we might be people that when we go out into our everyday frontline context, that we model Jesus' character, godly character to those around us. That we're people that in our work, not just paid employment, but in our activity, whether we're we're homemakers or volunteers or in our studies or in our work, that we make good work. That we're ministers of grace and love. That we go out in a world that doesn't necessarily expect that they're going to receive grace and love. And we, we minister that to those around us. That we try and mold the culture of family life or our workplace. We try and shape how things are done. That we're mouthpieces of truth and justice. And that we're messengers of the gospel. Now now be careful how you hear this. These are not a list of things for you to do. What these are. are Are the natural fruit. Of a life that has remained and connected to Jesus. If my life. If my life is genuinely connected to Jesus, it will come out in my character. If my life is connected to Jesus and, I, and I'm learning constantly about who he is and following his way, then when, when I'm out in my everyday life, love and joy and peace and patience will come out in my life. It's weird, and I, again, I don't know you, but in the church I grew up in, I, I could never understand how there were christians in those in our church who had been part of the church for 30 40 50 60 years sometimes some of the most miserable graceless people i've ever met i met people in my everyday life working on the building site who had more patience and love and kindness than some people who were part of a church community I, I, you know it just pops in my head to think that for some of us The the connection we make is not with Jesus. The connection we make is just we're a churchgoer. A churchgoer is not going to lead you to become a person who displays the character of Jesus if you're just simply a churchgoer. Because it's it's born out in the fruit. How, How can somebody sing of the love of God and the grace of God and all those wonderful hymns for 50 or 60 years and yet... Chew you out over a t-shirt you wore on Sunday or whatever it might be, like just just really graceless and sometimes so so rude, or live such a, a disconnected life between who they were when they were with their church on a Sunday and who they were in everyday life. It's not even about connecting to the tree of church, it's about connecting to the tree of the person of Jesus. And that's a very different thing. So here's my branch. So do you think that we, together, if we really, really try this morning, if we really try whether we could produce some fruit on this tree? We can't. We can't do that, and yet we maybe try to do that. Maybe that we try sometimes when I go into my everyday life, I think, oh man, I could just maybe stick some apples on it, and maybe maybe it looks like it's a fruitful tree. Maybe I'll try and do that. And I make this mistake again and again and again. I look at the lives of other people. And it's one of the things I really struggle with. Is I look at the lives of other people and think, Man, I wish my life was like theirs. Or I wish my life was like they look so fruitful. They look like they're really doing things in their life. What about me? And Jesus says, Don't worry about them. You just connect yourself to me and you will bear the fruit that I want you to bear in your workplace, in your relationships remain in me and i will remain in you and it's not about you trying to bear the fruit i will bear the fruit through you all you have to do is remain connected to me and jesus says he says how to do he just says, make sure my word is kind of in your life make sure that you're trying to live a life where it's less and less about you and it's about others and Try in your everyday to pay attention to me. Let me uh, kind of draw my thoughts to a close with a story about a lady called Judith. I wonder about your everyday context because I don't know about you. If, if I'm really honest with this, I, I'd want to hold up my own hand and say I struggle with this. I, I want my life. I want, I want to connect my life to Christ daily. So that through that vine, through that source of life, when I'm when I'm playing squash, that I'm I'm going there with a sense of presence that I, I know that Jesus through me is trying to make a difference in the guys that I play alongside. But I'd hold up my hand today as a, as a disciple and say, too many days I connect myself into other trees because I think that the meaning's going to come from them. I think that my security really lies in money, or I think that my self-worth lies in the clothes that I wear, or I think, you know, that I think my significance comes from, I don't know, what other people think of me. I wonder for you in your everyday as we finish. I wonder where God has placed you at home, at work, at school. I wonder who there is there, and, and therefore who God has put under your care. And who he wants to share his life and love with through you. Judith, uh, this is Judith's story, and I'll finish with this. It's Monday morning. It's February, and it's cold. Judith has arrived at school to discover that the heating has broken, and several hundred children were about to arrive. On a very cold February Monday, she was the head teacher. And there was already plenty in her diary before the boiler broke. But that's how her day began. Figuring out a way to get enough heaters into the classrooms to keep the school open and fast. And her day ended with an angry child making things very difficult. A troublesome child who'd been troublesome rather rather, uh, too often before. And so reluctantly, she found herself having to exclude him. It's not something that any head likes to do. That was how her day ended. Not the best of days on her front line. And when she got home after what was a really grim day, after a day when she might well have been justified in having a mega whinge or soothing herself with a glass or two of medicinal wine or a large tub of quadruple chocolate ice cream, something strange happened. As she put it, I found myself thanking God for trusting me with all of that. God trusted her with it, as God trusted Moses with the Israelites. These were the people God had given her to love like Jesus loved her. These were the challenges he was expecting her to handle with him. God is trusting us with our front lines. Trusting us with the people there. Trusting us with the challenges there. Trusting us with the tasks there, trusting us to be his people there, a privilege, an honor. So for you, where has God placed you to be fruitful? At work? Who are the people around you? Who has God put into your care who God wants to share his love and life with? It's called you to be fruitful to them. You might immediately go, Man, I've, no, I've not even told anybody at work that I'm a Christian, or how would I do that in my family? Remain, remain connected to Jesus, and you will. You're doing it already, whether you realize, realize it or not, but if you remain connected to Jesus, it will come out in the person that you are. Let's pray together. Let's pray. When we see this incredible picture, and just try and imagine it in your minds, when Jesus... Um, speaks about being the vine and we are the branches. He doesn't, he doesn't urge us to go out into this week and bear fruit. Rather, he urges us this week to remain connected to him, the source of life. Father, as we look at the week ahead, some of us are dreading it because maybe we've got exams. Maybe we'll be with that friendship group again and we know that we get caught up in temptation when we're with them. We'll be at work, some of us look ahead, we've got a busy week, we've got meetings ahead, some of us just, uh, in what we're doing here, we know we'll be dealing with the same people who we find it challenging to be with, whatever whatever it might be. God, I just pray that you'd help us, not to think, how am I going to bear fruit, but help us daily this week to remain connected to you, so that through us, you might share your life and love with those that we meet. Father, would you, would you pour your spirit into us today that we might live for you this coming week? We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.